Now, if you did not have your heart stir in that moment, something's wrong with you people. Thank you, Reverend Tyler Ingram, from your leadership, and for so many of our voices, choir, children, and other, participating in this time of worship. There's a movie that comes on TV a lot of times, and no matter how many times I've seen it, and no matter where the movie is, when I click on the channel, I must see it through the end. It's sort of like catching the song American Pie on the radio. Bye-bye, Miss American Pie. Drove the Chevy to the levee till the levee was dry. No matter where that 12-minute song is, I have to sing the final verse. And this will be the day that I die. Anybody with me on that American classic song? Thank you, thank you. Well, here's the movie. I want to give it to you in quotes and to see if you can guess it. Are you with me? All right, so here's the first quote. Every man dies, not every man truly lives. Oh, there we go, Max Redman. Thank you so much, because if that quote did not work, this next one would have sold it. Freedom! That was supposed to get raucous laughter. Apparently, it fell short. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. I've seen that movie probably 50 times. And you're just lucky that I didn't do the quotes in a Scottish accent. Yes, Braveheart tells of William Wallace, a medieval freedom fighter for the Scottish people who is seeking their independence from England. And William Wallace, known as Braveheart, is one who is going to fight tooth and nail to see that the job is done. Now, as much as I love this movie, and I do, I have some heartbreaking news for all of us. Not long ago, I was watching the History Channel, and being one who was going to be a wet blanket to my Braveheart party was a historian who got on there and said, well, actually, the the reviews of Braveheart are amiss. For you see, Braveheart is not really historically accurate. These people didn't actually have interactions with one another, and this was the low blow for me. The battle scenes did not occur as they were depicted. You know, I got to tell you, I'm all for history and accuracy, but that really made me mad. So I've had to pivot a little bit about Braveheart. Braveheart is great, but not because of its historical accuracy. But it is great because it accurately depicts the human narrative. Let me give you one more Braveheart quote to see if I can make my point. In this scene, William Wallace is talking to his second in command, a huge Goliath of a man named Hamish. And he's telling Hamish, I must go and try to make an ally, an alliance with all the Scottish nobles, because if we don't, our band of freedom fighters are not strong enough and mighty enough to truly defeat England. Hamish is in disagreement, and this is what happens in the scene. We've got to try. We can't do this alone. Joining the nobles is the only hope for our people. You know what happens if we don't take that chance? Hamish answers, what? And Wallace succinctly says, nothing. Nothing. 
Nothing ever happens, as the saying goes, and that much is true to our human narrative. If we risk nothing, nothing good can ever truly happen. Wallace is saying, I've got to risk something big, his life. But, he says, I want to risk something big so that something good can happen. And if you see the end of the movie, spoiler alerts aside, you know that in the end, because of Wallace's legacy of freedom, the Scottish people defeat England and they are a freed people. Now, folks, I know that this is Hollywood, but I want to say that it's real in the sense that it accurately depicts us today. We all are called as people to risk something big so that something good can happen. If we do nothing, we get nothing. Or in a quote that my father-in-law always says to me, David, if you keep giving what you're giving, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. Something's got to change, and I feel like it's here in the church house God's people have to realize that part of their calling as Jesus' followers is to risk something big so that something good can happen. I believe this story that's before us today in this ancient text of Esther is proof positive. In Esther, we see that same issue at hand. Esther is faced with a choice. She must risk something big, her life, so that something good can happen. The freedom of all of her people. In fact, we know that the story goes and concludes as such that Esther does risk her own life, appearing before King Xerxes and revealing the plot of one named Haman, who had a vendetta against Esther's uncle named Mordecai and the Jewish people at large, wanting to exact that vendetta on a certain day that he had organized by royal decree so that at that time, all of the Jewish people would be annihilated. Esther therefore goes before King Xerxes and sets up a scene of events in which she is able to reveal the evil plot of Haman and allow her people the right to defend themselves and in such make sure that they not only survive, but that they are people of freedom. This, in fact, is a story that is told in conjunction with Purim, a ritual of the Jewish calendar wherein Jewish families gather and they celebrate Jewish freedom and independence as the families gather around the table and the story is read, the people get involved. This story is not meant to be one of reverence and awe. It's meant to be one that brings about sometimes just raw emotion. So much so that when the name of Haman is said, the people listening hiss 
or boo. And when the names of Mordecai and Esther or said, the people cheer in wild celebration. Now, I see some football fans out there. I know it's within you. I know that you've never booed the opposing team, right? But surely in this exercise, you'd be willing to play along. So, for example, if I said the name Esther or Mordecai, you would? There you go. And if I said the name of the vile nemesis Haman, you would? All of these participatory moments within this story show to us that it is one that is truly passed from generation to generation. And with that, there is the central truth that you must risk something big for something good to happen. It's declaring to any and all, whether we are Jewish or Christian, that we are called by God to be different. And I believe that the answer of how we are different is found in our relationship with Jesus Christ. For no one who ever follows Jesus or does what Jesus calls them to do is without ample opportunity to risk something big for something good. You might know this already, but there are eight windows back here in Second Baptist which are dedicated to people or families. On each window, there is a gospel story from the New Testament, all of which feature parables or events in the life of Jesus Christ. For as these windows were dedicated and commemorated now some 20 years ago, it was given to honor these people for they had followed Jesus in such a way that they began to live as Jesus did and indeed embody the stories and parables which Jesus himself lived out. Follow along with me the following windows. The Merrill family, their forebearers, actually owned the land on which First Baptist Church now stands. Ellis Merrill served as chair of many committees, including deacon and finance. Eloise, his wife, began the first Carrollton kindergarten here at First Baptist Church. Jim and Olivia Russell and Ed and Louise Smith, they are still here and they are still serving our church. They raised their families here. Their children and grandchildren serve here. They serve and continue to serve in this church in invaluable ways. Jeff Pike, a young baby, was adopted at two and a half days of age by Gus and our Becky Pike with the help of then-pastor Howard Benson. Jeff had a compassionate heart. He cared for his ailing grandmother for two months when he was but 12 years of age and loved a niece named Kristen with all of his being. What's more, with the support of this church, Jeff fought bravely and courageously against AIDS for six years. Hugh Maddox, 
an educator, a track coach, a loving husband and father, and faithful member of First Baptist Church. You might know that name as it is the name that the track at Grisham Stadium is dedicated towards. Dr. L. Wayne Brown, a doctor of optometry here in Carrollton. He and his wife, Patty Brown Trailer, joined First Baptist Church in 1963. Dr. Brown was ordained as a deacon in 1971 and served on the deacon board for 26 years. Most impressively at his practice, Dr. Brown oftentimes afforded care to patients who could not pay for his services. Alton Estes, with his wife Frances and with the help of Reverend Howard Benson, they began what is now known as the Association for Remarkable Citizens in 1961. First for his son, Wesley, who had special needs, but now serving countless others in the community of Carrollton and Carroll County. Dr. Tracy Stallings, a youth who was ordained as a deacon at 19 years of age, a Sunday school teacher for children for life and a Sunday school director. He also served on the Carrollton Board of Education. He was mayor, and lastly, he served in the Georgia House of Representatives. And GM Holmes, a deacon, vice president of Georgia National Bank, a president of Kiwanis Club, and one who built the foundations of this community in his life, which spanned from 1878 to 1963. All of these eight individuals were people who willingly accepted the call to risk something big so that something good can happen. And they did that because as the windows depict, they found their story within God's story. As they became like Jesus to this church and this community, they naturally risked and willingly risked big things so that good things could happen. And what was that good thing? I believe that it is this, that because of people like these, hope never left this church. And hope never left this community. Their testimony stands to tell us that with Jesus Christ as our guiding light, our Lord and our Savior, Following him faithfully, we will recognize the urgency that, like Esther, we too were born for such a time as this. Your when and your where are not by accident, good people. It is by God's providence that he created you and called you to live here in Carrollton during this time so that you could find your reason why so that you would be so daring and bold as to risk something big for something good. And today, I believe that that is an opportunity that is before us all. No matter your age, whether you are a child, like those who sang so beautifully here from this very pulpit, like you were one of the many youth sprinkled throughout our congregation or young adult community, or whether you are an adult or a senior adult who have been here for years, there is an exciting chapter here at your very doorstep. Not because God needs any single one of us to complete his will and make it on earth as it is in heaven, 
But because by his invitation and when we accept, we are so fulfilled. Don't you see when we risk something big for God so that something good can happen in his name, we become fully alive. We never have to ask the questions of why am I here? What good do I serve? How long must this go on? No, every single day is but a beautiful opportunity as we too retell a story day after day with our families and our church from generation to generation. So to take this much larger theme and to put it as to something very practical and specific in your hands, I have before us all a specific opportunity. On our altar table before us is a card, a card which I invite you to prayerfully consider and accept as you might come forward during this invitation hymn to take it, to own it, and to respond thoughtfully and profoundly to the following question. How have you experienced God's presence at First Baptist Church, Carrollton? Now, just by coming and taking this card, answering the question, that is no risk. But this next step is, as you've completed this card, I want you to go and tell and retell the contents of what you have wrote to someone in your life. That someone could be your child. That someone could be your parent or that someone could be someone that you have yet to even meet. But that we as a people will risk something big because let's face it, it's not the easiest thing to go up to someone and share your heart. But my goodness, the good that can come of stories of hope as you reflect on how God's presence has been real and felt to you here in this church during your lived experience so that others might know that the same God of love who has blessed you immeasurably more desires to likewise bless them too. Good people, in the hymn that follows, I invite any and all who are serious about this project to come forward. Take this card and take it with a solemn vow because it represents a community to your next steps of faith for how you will follow Jesus. Our invitation hymn, as outlined by our order of worship, is hymn number 486, Jesus Calls Us or the Tumult. Will you stand and sing and respond as you are so led?